Phones for open minds, phone numbers on the screen. And for those of you listening on the audio channels, it's 505 349 Today is 2-2-2-2024, George Washington's birthday. And a very strange day overall. If you look back, the anniversary of the quote war kicking off there in Russia, Ukraine. But also the day has a connection with the astrological alignment of Pluto relative to America's birth and subsequent recent rebirth, astrologically speaking. In other words, America has had its Pluto return. And that was on 2-2-2-2022, and it just signifies the death of an empire. Nobody survives past this point, so we're on fumes. All right, we are joined here by the HBIC Peace Circle, Buzz Dean, Duas Impera, Frank Moore, Penguin Doctor, Auto Hoaxers Unite. Yeah, Auto Hoaxers of the World Unite. We're going into quarantine, and we're going to reconstitute what we're doing here, make it into something that can be, um, I think, conveyed to the people who are still stranded in Normieville and Trutherville. Ted Stryker says, what is it? Tim must not have AT&T. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's, we'll get into that right away, because one of the main topics I want to get into has to do with predictive programming and the fact that it exists. Like it or not. Matt X, P. Trippa, Watchdog, Gematria 101. Awesome. Okay, we have a good crowd already. Phones are open if anyone has anything to add to these topics. So let's go ahead and just get into the start of it. We are looking at what appears to be, what I would consider to be, an example of predictive programming. Now, many people looked at this. AT&T outage. It's right out of Leave the World Behind. And if you look at some of the hyperbolic headlines, it's like End of the World, SOS. Um, leave the World Behind, no internet, no phones, no going back to normal. And it's mysterious. It's like, who did this? Who's responsible? One of the key parts about the movie Leave the World Behind was just the fact that it was a mystery. They had to make sure that we didn't know who did it. Everyone's blaming everybody. AT&T outage, glitch, conspiracies swirl. This is from Drudge. And earlier today, Drudge had something along the lines of uh, 911, emergency, the world coming to an end. It's, it's a lot of hype. But my point being, this is very consistent with what we saw in Leave the World Behind. So I'm revisiting the topic of predictive programming because I think I can explain it better now. I think we have a better understanding of what it is. So let's just get into this. Because Mike Rothschild responded to one of my tweets. I've been pointing to every one of these planes falling, doors popping off of planes, burning planes, uh, the recall of the Teslas, 1.6 million Teslas. I mean, that's crazy. And we were pointing this, out, pointing this out as, look, this is an example of life imitating art, I guess you could say. But to deny a connection is just kind of being a denialist. The connections are there. Am I saying that predictive programming causes it, or there's some kind of mysterious relationship? Well, we'll get into the different ways that people look at it. But here's what he wrote. 
the cell phone outage is regurgitating conspiracy theories that the Netflix movie Leave the World Behind was predictive programming, telling us about the outage before it happened. But it wasn't, because the entire concept is nonsensical and non-existent. So predictive programming, according to Michael Rothschild, does not exist. Interesting. And he's referring to even a tweet he put back in December, where he was suggesting that this is just insane. He says, Conspiracy theorists are claiming that this is predictive programming to prepare us for a large-scale cyber attack and societal collapse. Now, I interviewed Mike Rothschild when his book came out called Q, The Storm is Upon Us, How QAnon Became a Movement, a Cult, a Conspiracy Theory of Everything. And at the time, I brought up the JFK Jr. stuff, and he dismissed it. He didn't think it was worth even discussing at the time, even though later it became a more prominent feature, where you had the diehard Kool-Aid drinkers in Dallas at the site of JFK's assassination, like he'd want to go back there, even if he is alive. And they were waiting for him to return. Like, this is a big part of the movement itself, but my point of it being, he's a conspiracy debunker, and he made some very weak attempts at debunking predictive programming. He doesn't even explain it. He dismisses it as nonsense. But there is something. The phenomenon deserves an explanation because it exists, and he denies it exists. That's why I titled this piece, Mike Rothschild is in denial of predictive programming. Now, he's taken this position since Leave the World Behind, and for some reason that movie really stood out for a lot of people, possibly because the Obamas were behind it, but People broke it down scene by scene, sort of like they did, like there's a lot of people noticing something similar with white noise, which preceded the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. But Rothschild has been taking this position since the movie came out, incidentally on the anniversary of the JFK assassination, 1122. And the movie takes place in a zip code, 11963 which has 1963 contained in it. I mean, there's so many Easter eggs, you could call them. Let's just call them Easter eggs. Even looking at it from that perspective, it's interesting how many of these issues, Easter eggs, happen to correspond in a predictive way, but also even in a more concurrent way. For example, there's a scene in the movie which I, I highlighted. There's a few scenes. I took little clips out just to show people what I'm pointing out here, where you see these sports fans doing the offensive tomahawk chop thing. Well, a week after the movie came out, there's a big controversy about some kid wearing a headdress and painting his face red and black. And it gets into the subject of offensive racial stereotypes, but that was an Obama-era controversy. And they just happened to reboot that controversy just as the movie made a reference to it. And we point out these things all the time. In fact, that's why in the newsletter I sent out, I included an image of Netflix as a crystal ball. But to continue here, um, much of the film is it's a disaster film. And many of the scenarios have actually manifested. So we've seen airline incidents, planes falling apart mid-flight, doors falling off, burning planes in mid-air. We have this massive Tesla recall, and that was a huge part of the movie. The Teslas went on autopilot and blocked all the freeways. Well, they were recalled over an autopilot malfunction. And now we have a mysterious communication blackout. What's causing it? Is it Russian space nukes? Chinese EMP balloons? 
or Class X solar flares. And that's interesting. They've been calling it Class X. Like everything has been X. You know, disease X, X. Now this Class X, the big Xing of America with this eclipse. But you can't say that life isn't imitating art unless you're going to be a denialist. Mike Rothschild's erroneous concept of predictive programming is that these instances of media foreshadowing that we notice are coincidences at best. That's his perspective. Conspiracy theorists think predictive programming is some kind of bad karma loophole for the bad guys before they do bad things. That's the orthodoxy in Trutherville. You say, what's this predictive programming? And they'll say, well, the bad guys know. If they show it to us in the movies, then they don't have to feel bad about it. Which is silly, but that's what they say. Some will say it's dark occultist wizards behind media using predictive programming to manifest their dark visions into reality. Well, these explanations from the conspiracy theorists mystify something, which is really just propaganda, but they cover it in some kind of mysticism. Mike Rothschild just dismisses it, but they're both wrong. The mainstream view and the alt-media view are wrong. The fact of it is, it's propaganda by repetition and conditioning. This is how they bend the news. They write the news in advance, they act it out on the world stage, reality TV style, when it comes to these bigger events that they have to control, but they certainly saturate us with themes. They paint the zeitgeist. How many generations has it been where we've been flooded with stories about alien invasion, for example? Now, here's an article from... Let me see if I can pull this up really quick. I have a link at minds.com slash society. This is from the National Library of Medicine. It's an interesting piece here. Uh, the effects of repetition frequency on the illusory truth effect. The illusory truth effect. Well, this is an excerpt from this article. Repetition can affect beliefs about truth. People tend to perceive claims as truer if they have been exposed to them before. This is the illusory truth effect, and it explains why advertisement and propaganda work, and why people believe fake news to be true. Now, when they're saying fake news to be true, they're referring to conspiracy theorists, specifically anti-vax types. However, they kind of told on themselves, because the reason why people believe the mainstream programming is repetition, but they can't just have the same event happen again and again. They put it in the movies. They put it in the video games. They put it in your frame of reference so it's always there. Like I don't think it's a coincidence that first-person shooters are such a popular thing. Grand Theft Auto, all this, all the space games, space balls in space. These are all things to condition you for the worldview they want you to have. And then, when they have some news story like there's a space rock coming down or a, or a piece of space junk might land somewhere, you don't even question it because you've just been inundated with, with these themes. So what I'm saying is, they expose us to every story a billion times before they fake it in the news. Many of us, it just depends on, I guess, how old you were when you were watching TV, but let's say you were born in the 60s or something, you probably experienced 9-11 subconsciously or indirectly, or you saw scenes from it. It was already being planted in your mind as a, as a suggestion your entire life. But as we get closer to the events, you see 
it gets more specific. You have TV shows like The Lone Gunman that predict specifically what happened on 9-11. Or you have movies that come out that they have to alter because they so closely resemble the big events. The TV show I referenced the other day, FBI season finale, they had to pull it because it perfectly mirrored the Uvalde school shooting story. So this is propaganda by repetition. And what I'm suggesting here is that like Mike Rothschild is simply not in the know about how fake the fake news really is. But to say it doesn't exist is just pure ignorance. Because the most sensible explanation that I've come across so far for predictive programming is simply, this is an established propagandizing technique. This explains everything, especially when you take into account the news bended, or sorry, the news bent, the news bending. And by news bending, it's a reference to the news benders. The 1968 30-minute theater, a little play about someone being initiated into the reality of how media works at higher levels, where he's told that they're writing the news five years in advance. And I believe they understated it. It's got to be more like 50. All right, let me catch up on some comments here. I'm hoping that we're getting back a lot of listeners who were subscribed to my very popular Spotify channel that was WTC7 last year, but we got it back. All right, we are joined by Jennifer Reeves, Ali Goering. Jamitra 101 says AT&T was founded on March 3rd, or 3-3. Now, isn't the AT&T building in Chicago um, on a 3-3-3 address on the street? The Batman building is like 33 Thomas Street or something. Anyway, very interesting. Let's go ahead and continue. Just going through my chat here. AJ206 has joined us. All right, good. Phones are open. Ptrip0103 says, I'm tired of the religious political actors. This guy Jack posted back at CPAC called for some kind of retribution on democracy if Trump is reelected. Uh, Jack Posebeck, um, Jack Poe, parody of extremism. He's the guy who single-handedly kicked off Pizzagate by live streaming in Comet Pizza. And he's also behind an attempt to bring back the satanic panic. He's done public exorcisms over the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, which is a group of drag queen nuns who performed at the Dodgers Stadium. So he did an exorcism there. Uh, my point of it is, he's really... Oh yeah, he also did this. Remember that individual knocked over the Halloween decoration? The satanic temples goat sculpture thing at the Capitol? Someone knocked it over for Christ. Well, that guy committed a religious hate crime, like the religion or not. Well, he was invited by Posebeck to go speak at Turning Point. But uh, Jack Posebeck is also a, we had called Trad Right. In fact, they embrace the term Trad Right. And Trad Right and MAGA go hand in hand. And what we're really looking at here is basically the mirror opposite on the political horseshoe from progressivism. So progressive utopianism contrasted with, I wouldn't say regressive, but an idealized past, make America great again. It's an interesting cast of characters. I don't, I say Poe, parodies of extremism, because I don't believe these guys believe this stuff. It's just lucrative. Like Charlie Kirk is like, MLK sucks and we need to do away with the Civil Rights Act. I'm like, wait a minute. This guy's like having lunch with 
Donald Trump, and he's he's spouting out Nick Fuentes level rhetoric. But you know, to me, it just seems like these these are all actors. And someone said, he, did he say actors here? Yeah, religious political actors. And then you have all the Q prophets, and the Q profiteers, the grifters, and these individuals like Postevec are very careful not to walk around, you know, flaunting this stuff that they are actually behind. All right, let's continue here. Dramatria 101 says they act like pattern recognition is a mental illness. They do. And I understand the difference between apophenia, a cognitive bias, cherry picking. These, these are all different things. And when someone has an actual mental illness or even a compulsive disorder, they don't really have the insight to know that they're ill. They're just extremely convinced of it. And we're pretty impartial here. We are examining things as they're reporting, and we are finding this, what I call Metascript, big themes, broad brush in the story over the course of a few years, and all of the stories in the news and the entertainment all seem to build up towards these same, uh, I guess, prefabricated events or conclusions. We're looking at the steering of history itself, which is being acted out in front of us, and it's staged. Your history is being staged. They wrote it in advance. And that explains all of these, quote, eerie coincidences more than anything. I don't think we should mystify predictive programming. I think we need to strip it down to its bare essentials and what is actually happening. While they're showing you things again and again, boring neuropathways, leading you to accept certain things as inevitable, as likely, as we should have seen this coming, and that's the nature of repetition and propaganda. And the best way to accomplish it is just total saturation. And we see this again and again. So now we can do away with revelation of the method and dark occultists and manifestation and all this stuff. We can stick with the facts, objectivity. And I think what we've arrived at here is a pretty good explanation for something that people like Moth, uh, Mike Rothschild can't even admit exists. Like, he can't even entertain an idea he doesn't agree with, which is the mark of an educated mind, Aristotle. Is he afraid he's going to catch it? I can't think about that. I might catch it. You do you not have a mental immune system? You got maids? Kevin Mooring says, we're in the 22nd year since the 9-11 hoax. Some people today could call 9-11 phones in SOS mode only just like the SOS building in the Canada video. Okay, I'll have to look at that. But you're right. The SOS and 911 are interesting. These are both emergency uh, terms. So 3112. These are all emergency codes. And SOS was instituted on 11-3-1906, which is kind of an interesting date in itself. But I think these are very important codes, like 911. 1968 is when they made that our national emergency number, and we had it for 33 years, the same age as the Twin Towers when 9-11 happened. And I think what the code here is that these are contrived emergencies, which give them emergency powers, you know, order out of chaos. The new order emerges from the chaos once they've wrecked the previous. And the fact that we have the SOS there is really interesting. And we're still trying to figure out, was it Russian space nukes? Then there's the hacking of the pharmacies. Was it Chinese balloons with EMPs? And by the way, General Flynn said 
that when the Chinese start using EMP blasts, heads are going to explode literally. And if you know somebody who's been boosted a few times, wear a raincoat because their heads are going to blow up like scanners. And General Flynn said it to some people in his small circle who paid a lot of money to have dinner with him. Okay, let's continue here. Dewis and Paris says it's reality priming. Yeah, I like that. It's definitely that. It makes way more sense than anything I've seen so far, and it, it actually works as a propaganda technique. All right, let's see here. Dewis and Paris says there used to be more time between regurgitated psyops, time cycles speeding up as concentration spans diminish. Yeah, they are kind of back-to-back, -back, but there's a lot of repetitive themes. And you can almost see it's the same production company in a lot of these. But they're not showing as much in terms of the blood, the gore, because we're just too critical. I don't think they like the fact that we are aware. We are PSYOP-aware, and we're looking at the evidence they're presenting. So they're showing us less, which is what the ISS does. You know, the, the astronauts downplay what they could be doing in space. They make it very boring. They try not to uh, attract too much attention because anything they do out of the ordinary gives it away. They're constantly goofing up whenever they do something out of the ordinary. One of my favorite clips is an astronaut kicking a soccer ball around the space station and he jumps up and his head goes through the ceiling. And then he comes back out. Well, that was a fake background. CGI and there was a glitch in the editing process. And individuals like Mike Rothschild, people who can't look at media objectively, uh, they can't even include in their assessment the existence of movie magic as a possible factor to consider when looking at what we're seeing on the news. And if you can't recognize AI movie magic and deep fakery as just built-in sabotage, a built-in reason not to trust it anymore, you're going to be lost, and a lot of people are. A lot of people aren't, I don't think, capable now of assembling a coherent view of reality, and it's designed this way. Just pick a side, believe what you want to believe. Like, I was listening to these podcasts, these liberal podcasters, and they're talking about how, yeah, every immigrant is a net gain on the economy. All these working-age males. So on the left, they're like, we need to replace the population that's dying. We need to pay into Social Security so illegal immigrants especially are a net gain. And it, they're going on about how great it is that we have working age males. They're saying that they're more likely to open businesses. They're more entrepreneurial. That's from the left. But I thought the phrase was interesting. Working age males. Because on the right side of the political spectrum, every other podcast is talking about military age men and why we should be threatened by military-age men. It's like, what are they? Military-age men or working-age men? Which is it? Well, it depends on if you lean left or right. Left is open, open gates, open skin, open to alien invasion, and the right is closed doors, closed borders, and aliens or demons. It's just the attitudes that they've been programmed, the boxes that they've been put into, but they've been programmed to have these attitudes, and it's predictable. I use the word programming advisedly. I mean, they really are programming people like Truman in the Truman Show. Okay, let's go ahead and continue here. 
Penguin, Penguin Doctor says the mantra of the MSM, fake it till you make it or manifest it. But here, you know, here's one thing I, I've, I've heard before. People are like, well, if everybody believes it, it becomes real or we can manifest it. And that's just not true. That's not how reality works. Although there is some kind of relationship between what we think, what we imagine, and the results that we get. But you can't really break the fundamental rules of reality. Like a billion, seven billion people believe in the moon landing. Like just today, NASA supposedly, or somebody landed on the moon today. And I'm like, wait, seven billion people believe in it, but it's still fake. So they can't change the real world, but they can change your internalized concept of it. And this is one of the reasons I think they really want to get us into locking down, because they want us to spend more time immersed in the simulation, in the consensus worldview, the internalized version, than the objective reality outside. I think they want to pull us out of the meatverse, deeper into the metaverse. All right, so we were talking about Rothschild, who doesn't know how fake the fake news is. So, yeah, one more time. Here's the different ways that people look at predictive programming. Some say there's nothing to see here. Others say it's predictive programming is for dark wizards in the media to get away with doing bad things because we gave them our consent when we watched it in the news or in the movies and, and didn't... Uh, I don't know, I guess, call it out. I mean, I'm not exactly sure. These theories don't make 100% sense here. Like, manifesting their visions. Like, this is mysticism. The most logical thing is, it's used to condition us through repetition. They're adding additional repetition in the entertainment for everything that's going to happen in the news. And it works. And it just works because it's a basic fact of uh, influence. And it's an influence operation. That's what we're seeing here. When we say PSYOPs, which is going to be the word of the year, I mean, look at this article here. I've been saying for like a week now, PSYOP is going to be the word of the year for 2024. This is an opinion piece by Jeremy Barr, how everything became a PSYOP for conservative media. And they're t trying to dilute this concept. Lately, it's become popular in conservative media circles to brand certain things as psychological operations or psyops. Climate change, for example, or COVID, or the media coverage of Donald Trump or the persecution of Hunter Biden. Technically, psyop is a military term referring to campaigns to get inside of the heads of the adversaries. Now, this piece here is mockingly describing how the right wing is able to use the word psyop to dismiss anything. It's sort of like fake news. They did the same thing with fake news in 2016. So now they're getting rid of the term psyop. And it's been brought up by people like Greg Gutfield, Fox News. They've really mainstreamed it. And it really probably started with Elon Musk. But this Taylor Swift thing really brought it out into the open. Now, what does this mean? Oh, also, the Pentagon. The Pentagon said this was not a PSYOP having to do with Taylor Swift. They had to get out in front of that as well. But the term has lost all meaning. They've diluted it. They've taken it out of context. And the people who talk about it don't even know how fake the fake news is. This is just 
sabotage. They really destroy, like I said, any attempt to arrive at a cohesive and accurate understanding of reality. Let's continue. I'm going to my notes at minds.com slash infinite plane society. So I was getting into a conversation with someone who's a big fan of gematria calculators and you know attempting to predict things. I'm all for pattern recognition, but we have to not fall for any kind of fallacious reasoning when it comes to applying what you're finding with these connections and thinking that you can guess or rather predict like major I mean I, I'm saying that predictive programming is a predict, predictive model in the sense that it's conditioning you for stuff. But there are people who take it a step further. And they'll say, well, this many days separate these two events, therefore. And they're able to group together an impressive array of factual connections that do exist. And they circle the date. And then nothing happens. And I've been puzzling over this. I've been watching this occur again and again with various key dates where people are able to predict yep it's going to happen on this day it, it started to sound like QAnonism which is based on seventh day Adventism and the great disappointment when Jesus didn't show up JFK didn't show up but I'm like what is the error here and I think the error comes down to the sharpshooter fallacy the Texas sharpshooter fallacy which is arriving at a cluster of things that are related and then drawing your target there first but it has to do with not having established the premise before you went into it like for example if two events are separated by 666 days then this and then there'd be some repetition there like there's a an error in the logic where they're able to confirm a bias very easily and it's a trap it's a trap to slip into it and most of the big channels that do this, and they've all emerged out of nowhere, they never have to account for being wrong because they are anonymous, one, and two, they don't know the news is fake. So they believe they're predicting real things, which is useless. But again, I'm looking into it, I'm, I'm really finding that the Texas sharpshooter fallacy may explain a lot of legitimate pattern recognition, but it's not arrived at in a way that you could call objective. It has a bit of interference from the person choosing them. Yeah, copacetic. Elon also mainstreamed the phrase, the news is not real. And I want to point out that the news is real. And the Mandela effect is real. They're real in the same sense. The Mandela effect is real, but it's false memories created by imagination prompts and a few other loaded questions and, and felt uh, basically a rigged a rigged parlor trick my point of it is the Mandela effect exists but it's actually an error in cognition it's not reality shifting similarly the news is real but it's not reportage it's not fact-finding for your edification it's not truth-oriented it's worldview formation so his statement means nothing. But they're able to use irony and drown out important concepts, dumb them down, all by design. Austin 108 says the Mandela effect is not false memories. Well, you know, it's the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain 
an idea and not accept it. And I would invite you to entertain the idea that you might be wrong. And that the reason you arrived at the Mandela effect is because it was framed with a bunch of logical fallacies designed to menduzzle you into accepting a faulty premise. If you're going to say reality's fluid, explain to me why every Mandela effect is binary. If reality's fluid, then there should be 50 versions of Jif peanut butter, not just Jif or Jiffy. It wouldn't work like that. So no, um, beyond that, there's no evidence for any of its claims. There's no evidence. Hitchens razor, that which is asserted without evidence can be dismissed without evidence. It hasn't been bunked. I don't have to debunk it. You have to demonstrate it exists first, but you can't assert it without first confronting the best counter arguments. And the best counter arguments have to do with interrogator bias, has to do with retroactive interference and how memory actually works. Same thing with the chemtrail individuals. Like if you're still a chemtrail believer, at this point, your argument is based on ignorance. Like you have to actually debunk contrails first. Until you're ready to confront contrails and debunk them, you can't insert something in their place. There is something called a status quo, like it or not. Sometimes it's wrong, but joined by CMGZ510. Thank you for joining. Austin108 says there are multiple versions for some and also personal effects. I would need to see that evidence. But beyond that, there's not an, an effect that hasn't been debunked. And moreover, you don't have to debunk every one. They've been categorically debunked. It doesn't exist. Like what, what you're experiencing is real. You have probably been convinced of a faulty memory. And the way they do it, it's an imagination prompt is what I call it. Like mid-journey. You tell it what to create and it creates it. And they give you a prompt. They say, hey, do you remember this product? It used to look like this. Or they describe how it used to be. Which do you remember? And they can get you to recall your authentic memory and juxtapose it in your mind against a imagining. And now these things have equal weight. And there's a number of reasons why you would go with the imagining. One, if you're already a conspiracy theorist, this brings you deeper into the community. And, and by having this perception, by having experienced this miracle, now you're not some dumbed-down, fluoride-head, zombie, normie, blue pillar. Now you're special. So there's a, a lot of reasons why people fall into the Mandela Effect cult. But it's a delusion. It's not a legitimate spiritual effect. It's not a synchronicity. It's a manufactured psychological operation. And I believe it's designed to cognitively sabotage truthers in Trutherville to destroy their objectivity. It's nihilism. I would even call it malware. Mental malware. Dua Sempera says, my mom's name changed when she got married. Still trips me out. Hollyweird says, we will always remember Mad Mike Hughes, L-M-A-O. Oh yeah, that's right. Today is 2-2. Um, four years ago was his, I think it was a launch for the Science Channel, homemade astronauts show. 5,000 feet up, but, um, you know, world's greatest daredevil. No one's matched it. I don't think anybody will. If you haven't seen Rocket Man, it's on Amazon. Someone said, someone should make a documentary about his life. It's like, yeah, they already had one. It's already out there. Okay, let's see what else we have. Let's go through my notes. Oh, yes. 
I was having these conversations with a few individuals about gematria calculators and how they're amazed at these various coincidences. And I said, no, this is all man-made, that man wrote this stuff. And they couldn't believe it. They said, no, it's got to be God. Some will suggest maybe the devil, maybe the demiurge, maybe AI, but there's no way that human beings could possibly align all these events with such precision. And that's the divine fallacy. I don't understand how it works, therefore I am going to assume that a higher power is responsible. And to this I would reference Arthur C. Clarke from his Third Law, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. It's kind of an error to say it's magic. It's an error to say, I don't know how it works, therefore it's real. Like, there are people, I call them 9-11 jumper truthers. Like, they're like, okay, the planes are fake, none of this seems real, but I don't know how they did the jumpers, therefore those were real people. Like, no, no, no. Just because you haven't figured out the movie magic on this particular trick doesn't mean you assume it's real. If you go to a magic show, do you believe in magic? Just because you don't know how he fooled you? No, you, if you're an adult, you, you know you're being tricked and it only works because you're in your seat and there's an illusion designed to fool your human perceptions. My point being, we know we're being fooled. Just because you don't have an explanation for something doesn't mean you need to defer to some higher power. In fact, that covers up the real culprits when it comes down to it. Okay, let's continue here. Yeah, Diana South says suicidal mannequins. Yeah. Uh, launched out of pneumatic cannons. You gotta look into Gelatin B. And when you look into Gelatin B, it opens up some fascinating connections to Fight Club and gelatin-based explosives wrapped around the columns of various buildings. And you even see the, I think it's called the Century Twin Towers falling down, same architect that did the WTC. Alright, moving on. Doomerist art is in the galleries. So Doomerist art is basically like the art, the art equivalent of climate fiction, just dystopian stuff. Apparently it's popular Doomerist. And I just had to point this out because one of the things about their zeitgeist and about predictive programming is pessimism, assuming the worst, focusing on very negative views of the future, which makes it easier to scapegoat, you know, whoever you're going to blame for leading us in this bad direction. Okay, moving on, we talked about the word PSYOP, it's been taken away. Yeah, look at these headlines from earlier today. Cell outage, 9-11 crashes, big, bold, red letters. Now it's an X. This is the other part of it. It's an X-level solar flare. Occurred at 3.32 a.m. Five minutes later, the outages started. So some have connected it to a solar flare. Again, to say it's not related to leave the world behind or that this isn't part of a, a litany of real-world events, quote-unquote, that followed this movie is reality denialism, and Mike Rothschild is guilty of that. AT&T down with iPhone stuck in SOS mode, as people are saying, world is ending. 
we live in the end times. How often do I say we live in an end times cult? Well, here are people that have their phones cut off for a few minutes and like it's the end of the world. Speaking of which, okay, leave the world behind is an anagram for behold the end war live, which is what we will be doing. X-class solar flare. Watch the first X-class solar flare of 2024, and this was last week. This is February the 9th. So we've been having these X-class solar flares. We're waiting for disease X. Watch the first X-class solar flare of 2024 erupt from the sun. It says here, it erupted on Sunday the 9th. Lucky for us, Earth wasn't in the direct firing line. Well, we were this time. Here's some artwork from Peter Lexa, posted in 2017. It has Mad Mike's rocket flying over two hot air balloons. One says SpaceX, one says NASA. It says Mad Mike Hughes giving the finger to NASA and SpaceX. And he did go out and call the space programs fraudulent. Um, Mad Mike did go on to, I think it was Wired, and even pointed out that SpaceX is using cylindrical blimps and faking space. Which is interesting to consider. If all the astronauts are astronauts, if they're faking it, and he was on a legitimate path to space, which was the plan, then you could say that he's the only legitimate astronaut insofar as he had a space program and he did launch himself a few times with the objective of eventually making it up to space which is kind of interesting competing with the billionaires and they can only fake it which is also kind of ironic that the only real astronaut in the world was a flat earther how does that make sense moving on here So that group that was in front of the New England governor's home, the neo-Nazis, are called NSC-131. Now, this is why I don't believe any of these groups are real. I happen to think that all the neo-Nazi groups are run by the ADL. And the reason I think so is that they all use Kabbalah. They all use the same type of like code and stuff. So like, who would know what NSC-131 stands for? Well, 131 isn't 131. 131 stands for ACA, because 1 is A, 3 is C, 1 is A. So NSC 131 marching around is the National Socialist Club, and ACA stands for Anti-Communist Action. Just gives me a headache, just trying to decipher this garbage. But I don't believe they're real. They all wear masks. It's just performative racism. But I find these these breakdowns of the their symbolism and the numbers they use, and it's to me it just seems like Kabbalah. It just it just doesn't seem like what would a group of Nazis have to do with codes and numbers and ciphers, and it, it doesn't seem legitimate to me. All right, let's continue here. This is a piece from Miles Mathis, where he was talking about the Taylor Swift psyop. But he made an interesting point here, and it has to do with Donald Trump. Here's one, a point about Donald Trump's fake trial. This is the article. So he's talking about how it's like basically court TV. They don't use real procedures. But listen to this passage here. 
He says, in these CIA dummy courts, they have completely rewritten all the rules of law, and you no longer have people testifying under cross-examination. And I think this would also, by the way, apply to a lot of these mass shooters who all just coincidentally go crazy and they can't testify on their own. And there was a clip of Nick Cruz and his attorney like laughing and joking before they recognized the cameras were on. And then he went back to playing like he was mentally ill. Like it's an act. But anyway, it goes on here to say, instead of people testifying, you have long lines of family members and friends giving emotional speeches before, during, and after proceedings and giving interviews to media during the trial. Now, I find that strange as well. When the shooter's still on the loose, they haven't confirmed it was the only shooter, and they already have people talking to the media. That's very questionable, especially when they're minors, which means their parents would have had to have signed a waiver, like, oh, let's sign the waiver so our child who just witnessed a massacre can put their face on the screen, even though the shooter's still on the loose. Doesn't make any sense. He goes on to say, you have the judge televised saying ridiculous things while playing Monopoly with jurors during recess. It's a clown show staged not only for people who have never studied law, but for people who can't spell law. Excerpt from Miles Mathis. Valid point. And he had another, there's another um, point that he made about how uh, people have a hard time with the good news of finding out things are fake. Something we've both pointed out. So here's a quote from Laura Loomer. That's why the Chinese were flying spy balloons over America. It was a dry run. There's ways to do dry runs for a full-blown EMP in the future to see how people would react to not being able to communicate. And there's a way to test the reaction in society on a controlled level. So Laura Loomer is suggesting that this is Chinese space balloons. And others are suggesting it's the Russian nukes in space. I'm still, I'm kind of leaning towards solar flare, class X solar flares, but it could be. And we had that drama with the Chinese spy balloon, which was shot down on the anniversary of the movie Moonfall, which is about stuff falling out of the sky. A lot of predictive programming in that. Let's see here. Here's another excerpt from the same piece. This is by, again, Miles Mathis. And here's what he said about people who don't like to be told these things are true. He'll say, if that is true, let me see if I can pull this up. I'll put a link in the chat as well. But here, here it is. He says, now, if we know the missile strikes were on abandoned or condemned buildings, and nobody's killed, are you relieved or disappointed? Be honest. As with serial killers, I found that many, perhaps, are not relieved to find it all fake. They seem to be offended. Some appear to want their money back. What he's suggesting here is something I pointed out as well, that if you find out something's being faked, or they're staging fake wars, or they're running psyops and drills and presenting it as real, um, would you be disappointed that it wasn't real? And strangely, the answer is yes. A, lo a lot of people don't like the spoilers for some reason. I call them death clingers, corpse clutchers. 
they have the moral high ground because they're grandstanding on top of a pile of dead kids. They don't want to be told that it's a fake issue and these are fake victims they're advocating for. Same goes for the anti-Vs. You're not advocating for real victims. All right, let's continue going through my Twitter feed next. If you want to follow me there, it's IPS Insider. And, okay, here's the first thing. Sun ejects a third X-class solar flare within 24 hours, the most powerful of the current cycle. This was today. So the sun is acting up. We'll continue to follow this story. Uh, Vice.com is no longer going to publish. Who cares? Vice.com is really nothing more than uh, anti-conspiracy theory, anti-auto hoax. They, they're really targeted, in fact, in their reportage. So here we go. This is a video posted by Laura Loomer, who is suggesting that this is an EMP attack, courtesy of China. It says, in the middle of last night, there were mass cellular, cellular outages for AT&T, Verizon, Cricket Wireless, Boost Mobile, and others as well. She says, is America being attacked by an EMP on a dry run? Are they testing the reaction of society? Now, if they are, did we fail? We had people already crying that the world was ending. All right, we talked about Mike Rothschild, who is again suggesting that Predictive programming as a concept is nonsensical and non-existent. No, the evidence for it is voluminous. And here's another point about this, because this is denialism. You know, you may not like it, just like the Mandela effect. Mandela effects are not what the Mandela effect would think, but the effect exists. There is a phenomenon. To say that there isn't a correlation between the news events and Netflix and all the various movies, that we aren't being conditioned for things through media suggestive that news is written in advance that's denialism maybe it's hard to accept but to someone like uh, mike rothschild i would say you're entitled to your own opinions but not your own facts and the facts are not on his side we may not have a full understanding of how it all works but this is why we are breaking into the parallel media we have to separate from people who don't know real from fake who have no discernment when it comes to mass media, and they just put their heads in the boxes. It's At this point, it's pretty clear to me that their frame of reference is just wrong, and everything that comes out of them is going to be wrong. It's going to come from the world stage. This is why I was hesitant to speak to a, a politician or someone who's running for politics, because I know that someone who's running for politics has to be plugged into this thing there's no deviation, which is why you're not going to have any uh, real political saviors. It's all part of the bread and circuses, circus in your mind. Dewis and Paris says, believing in traumatic events is a way to make sense of living in a perceived traumatic world. Take those traumatic events from people and they're left with senseless trauma. Not to mention the scapegoat narratives that frame people's lives. You take away the devil, you take away the bad guys, or reveal that they've been fooled. But on the other side of it, because I was like, what's beyond Trutherville? What happens when you've disabused yourself of a lot of these illusions? Uh, to me, it should be something of a stress relief. 
like psychosomatically speaking, maybe it's not such a good idea to be afraid of 5G towers, cirrus clouds, immigrants, and I guess sleeper cells. There, there's so many things you can list that people are, are terrified of. The water, everything is scary. Everything is worse. Everything's a nightmare when you become a truther. And I think that's a worse state psychologically to be in. It's paranoid, in fact, by definition. You could say if you're not paranoid, you're not paying attention. But the thing of it is, there's a difference between irrational fears and believing things that aren't there and um, recognizing that we're being confronted with psychological operations and not being emotionally engaged with them. And that's the difference between Trutherville and this off-world stage perspective. We're not engaged. We're not fighting in the info war. This is actually a position of conscientious objection. Like I can say I literally don't care about fake dead people. Fake dead people's lives don't matter. Fake dead kids' lives don't matter. No matter how much Alex Stein cries about it, they don't matter because they don't exist. But one other point, too, is there's like an assumed moral high ground to being triggered or to being ragey at the machine. And to me, that is also an indication of being caught up and entangled. It's what you would call reactive aggression. They've triggered you. And people want to see that. Like, we just got to get everybody triggered. And if everybody gets triggered, we're going to rise up and do what? What? Run up the walls of the Capitol? I mean, what do they actually mean to do with all the uh, aggregated energy of all the people they managed to get behind some issue or cause? I've been saying there's no point to organizing emotionally triggered red pill reactionaries who don't know real from fake. It's no better than the woke. What we have to do is quarantine from the people who have lost their minds. They're worried about gun grabs. It's like, I wouldn't worry about a gun grab. They've already taken your mind. They've taken you off, off your throne as your arbiter of what you believe, and they've replaced it with their ubiquitous screen. They've put an authority over your own mind, and this authority is a liar. Okay, let's continue here. Go into my Twitter feed again. Amazing how they can just mock predictive programming when it's just there in your face. Uh, breaking news, according to Raw Alerts, reports that numerous pharmacies have been reporting outages in the wake of a cyber attack. Now, this is problematic. I was sort of poking fun at some QAnoners who were celebrating the execution of Tom Hanks. Because, you know, the QAnon group believes that the Hollywood elite are satanic vampires sucking the blood from children. And Tom Hanks was one of the top bloodsuckers, according to QAnon. So they believe that he was executed along with Hillary Clinton and probably a dozen other people that we see every day on TV, which doesn't mean they're real. It means that they're actors or they're clones. They have all these explanations make it up as they go. The, the only thing I haven't heard yet from them is that Tom Hanks might be JFK Jr. Like, their reality is very fluid. The reality of the Kool-Aid drinker is even more distorted than the, than the Mandela affected. But, and, and weirdly enough, Tom Hanks figures prominently in like 15 different Mandela effects. 
the Forrest Gump one about the chocolate, the Ronald, no, is it Roger, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, The Neighborhood, or Our Neighborhood. Uh, yeah, so it's like, mockingly, Tom Hanks is the is the top enemy of the QAnoners, and he's the top enemy of the Mandela Affected, because he's throwing it in their faces. Anyway, I've been kind of poking fun at the people who are like, I'm so glad he's dead, and I'm like, aren't you happy he's dead? Are you glad that he's six feet under? Aren't you glad that he was uh, murdered at Guantanamo? And all the QAnon people will give me emojis. I'm like, yeah, we're so happy. We are pleased. We're glad that Tom Hanks is dead. I'm like, what reality do they live in? They're fantasizing. They believe their own fanfic. Murder fantasies about celebrities who are rather uh, innocuous. I mean, this is America's dad. But they've made him into this villain in their minds. And they're celebrating this execution that supposedly happened. Well, anyway... I was like, okay, I'm just going to poke fun at this. There's nothing they can say because he's still alive. And someone sent me this. Tom Hanks says he could keep acting after death because of AI and deepfakes. So now you can never debunk them. Their whole premise is unfalsifiable. Everybody can be deepfaked. Therefore, anybody can be dead. And there's no way you could say they're not dead because of AI. It's a terrible argument. I don't accept it, but it's there. Okay, let's see here. Dinosaur says, Q death cult bad. The Q death cult is MAGA ban. Everything about Q is actually designed to create the domestic equivalent of radical Islam. The Quran got replaced by QAnon. Incels are the new terror cells. And in the same way, Terrorists and cells sexually repressed want to blow themselves up to get virgins in paradise. Q and honors in cells have the same beef with Western women. That's why you always have the alt-right MAGA band types saying that women in gyms need to cover themselves up. That they need to lower the age of consent, take away the right to vote, quit, quit allowing them to read so they can have more babies for the patriarchy. This is standard stuff. The MAGA band exists. And it's a creation designed to create the domestic equivalent of the Taliban slash radical Islam. And it's becoming very obvious if you study the alt-right how more and more they're moving into embracing Islam. And I'm not being hypercritical of anybody's religions. I'm just pointing out that this is the right moving towards traditional values as opposed to progressive utopianism. The trad right. But the QAnon movement has a number of spin-offs, and it, it's interesting to study it. You have entire groups of them who believe in JFK Jr. coming back from the dead. Then you have people who believe that JFK is Elvis, and Trump, and Jesus, and he's going to save us in 2023, and this is 2023. Like, it's become... An asylum. You know, Trutherville is sick. There's something in the water. And I, I've been saying we have to exit Trutherville. Anybody who's still in it, if they're still calculating QAnon drops six years later, eight years later, saying, oh, back in 2017, when the Q drop 225 said this, it was actually referring to Trump's lawsuit on this date. Like, no, no, it's bad. But it's it's like government-engineered mass delusion and mental illness.
it's cognitive sabotage. And to say it's not, or that they're not capable of it, or that they wouldn't do it, is um, to suggest that this is somehow organic. And I'm like, nah, there's no way. There's too many of these accounts. It's like, you can open up an account on Twitter, post day and night, and not get a tenth of the traction of somebody who comes out and says, John F. Kennedy is going to come back to life next week. Symbia says there's mind aids in the water. Aunt G says schizoid. Yes. Yeah, it's definitely that. And and the bastardized Kabbalah Gematria stuff is intriguing. They follow this guy named Dan Scavino. And they believe that Dan Scavino is dropping hints with every tweet, if you look at the timestamp, and match it up with the appropriate... Yeah, I guess you have to have a Q decoder ring. Did any of you get one of those? I don't know if they were issuing these things out. But a Q decoder ring, you could Dan Scavino's tweets, turn a few little dials, line it up, and it'll tell you what Q drop he's hinting at. And then Trump will make a Q in the air with his finger. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. It's insane. That's, that's really how bad it is. It's bastardized form of Kabbalah, Gematria, numerology combined with live tweets believing that this is how Trump is communicating over the media to the truthers. And they're receiving the message. I would even classify this as erotomania. Erotomania is when someone believes that some celebrity is in love with them, sending them messages. Like, oh, that celebrity looking at the camera was looking at me and sending me a message. This is how stalkers get fixated on their victims. They have a fan fiction in their heads and a delusion. And what I'm saying is that many of the noners are in an erato maniacal relationship with JFK Trump and JFK Jr. Weirdly, they're not really attaching themselves to RFK. And presumably he'd have the same blood, meaning the blood of Christ. Now, I'm not mischaracterizing anybody. I'm describing what we're actually seeing. And I don't think it's organic. I think it's being purposefully thrown out there. And it's part of what I would term an active measure. So at the same time, anybody even remotely associated with Trump is now being smeared with all this stuff. Anybody calling out PSYOPs is now being targeted with a lot of gibberish, a lot of hype, a lot of misrepresentations of what this stuff actually means. But there's definitely an active measure targeting Metascript breakdown. Like when we're looking at, quote, predictive programming, we're looking at scripting. We're looking at patterns that exist that are leading people to accept the reality tunnel that they're supposed to follow. We're observing it objectively and just noticing, hey, look, uh, these movies seem to be preparing us, priming us for what they're going to give us next. That's all we're doing. But what we're doing, which is an objective analysis of news and media and entertainment as a monolith, what we're doing is very separate from many of these channels, which are taking out the Dramatria calculators, using numbers and dates and making predictions without subtracting anything. As in, 
instead of saying it's all fake and it's rigged, they're more like it's real and we're predicting what's going to happen. It's misinformation. It's flooding the entire field of discourse. So if you wanted to go to X and look for some kind of objective media deconstruction, it's not there. Yeah, do us some para, I agree. Uh, the noners are definitely boring. And the topic is, it's not leading anywhere. It's getting increasingly bizarre, but it may not go anywhere. You know, we're looking at, to me it's fascinating, because I've always studied cults. I, I've studied, you know, Scientology, a bunch of religious cults, some militant Christian organization here that had some compounds. And I look at the common denominators between all of these groups and the people who join them, and there's a common template and a structure to them all. And I'm just pointing out that these are like government-manufactured cults and religions. And you can't separate the Q thing from New Ageism, from the I Am Temple, and from Seventh-day Adventism. It's like, it's a, it's a monster. It's a Frankenstein's monster of a cult. And it's, it's not going to go away. Elvin Tusk says, when do things become real? Never. They never do. The threat of the thing is more terrifying than the thing itself. They maintain the status quo by having everybody in a defensive posture, you know, waiting for the sky to fall. It's about to happen, so they're resisting it. But it's never going to become real. There's never going to be a point where, hey, all you auto hoaxers who sat back thinking it was chill, you're going to you're going to wake up one day and it's going to be real, and you're going to wish that you would listen to us and stocked up on your storable food items and prepared for the big one. Like, no, I'm, I'm like not at all even convinced that's a threat. It's a thing. Just getting you to accept the premise we're in the end times is a major victory for the mind war itself. Like, oh, it's going to end soon. Let me pay attention to how it's going to end so I can brace up against it. Or so I can say, I told you so. I mean, that is the, I told you so, that is like the, the ultimate result, I guess. You're able to give people spoilers on the bad news. You won't even be able to. Think about it. Even if you are up to date, up to speed, and you're going to predict the big one when it happens, the internet's going to go down. Who are you going to tell? Like back when Richie from Boston was like, they're going to shut down the internet on April 1st. Buy my MREs while you still can. It's like the internet's going to be down. How am I going to process the order? Pete Trippa says, what is real great question? Well, objective reality, the thing they try to cover up, it's real. You know, I don't engage in reality denialism, but I, I just don't believe in the augmentations, which people tacitly accept the illusions. But the, the fakery is an instrument of governance. It's contemporary mythology. It's alternate reality games. This might even be the most benign way to rule this place. It might be the most benign way, most benevolent way to rule over the fickle masses. At least that would be the thinking of many uh, political scientists, world leaders. I think that's been expressed by world leaders from the very beginning, that the reason why they use religion and the terrors of gods is to control the ignorant. The question is, 
Um, what about those of us who don't fit in with that? Like, what if you don't really feel comfortable with the wool over your eyes? What if you see through the BS? Are you allowed to intellectually revolt? Because they, they kind of have a steam valve for this. Some people aren't going to really go along with the program. So let's give them some angry guy to listen to who yells about how someday we're going to take down George Soros. So you have a lot of anger on the, on the political spectrum on the far left, far right, where you take all this excess energy and the rage of people who feel like they've been aggrieved and you direct it into something useless. But these are, I think, ways of keeping people involved in the metaverse. But as far as what would reality be like without that filter, that's an interesting question. Especially when you start asking or think or, or reaching these areas of you know, where could they have hidden something? Where have they lied in very big ways? You know, with, without even saying that the Earth isn't a ball just because NASA is apparently giving us cartoons. I mean, the Church of Nasatology's religious art is just garbage. But let's say for one moment that maybe it is that. Based on what they've shown us, we have many reasons to think that there's incentive, at a minimum, to have concealed land, for example. So, asking the question, what is real? Well, once we check those areas where we trusted them to fill us in, because we can't go there, then we might find that reality testing the claims of the world stage and its proponents and all the propaganda that supports it, it might show that it doesn't quite align. There might be some areas. You know, there's that movie Free Guy where they're in a simulation called Free City and Free Guy is able to break the matrix and liberate all the NPCs from the program when he discovered there was more land that the map was bigger than what they said. And that little bit of information changed their whole paradigm and it liberated the NPCs. So I would be interested more or less in if there was some kind of mass unplugging from the monolithic media itself. I would like to think that people might stumble onto something that was off limits previously. It's like the, the Truman Show is a perfect metaphor for this because as long as he believed the lies and lived his routine, he never would have went to any of the edges. He never would have tested it. Just like we can't test, for the most part, the claims that are given to us by our high priests, the elevated. Mango Penguin says, hell of a time, gonna blaze up. Pete Trippa says, is going to the gym a healthy cult? Yeah, the term cult has been disparaged. There are healthy cults, obviously, but the term has been demonized probably on purpose. Like the uh, Charles Manson thing. Really gave cults a bad name. You could consider this a cult. I mean, we've said this before. Like, really, um, you could consider... Um, I mean, But when I say cult, though, I, I kind of tend to think of it as something that the individual has to sacrifice or efface their individuality and become part of a Borg. And that's kind of the sense that most people think. You stop thinking for yourself. You let the cult think for you. But as far as a, a small spin-off group or culture, as long as it's 
not destructive to the individual, as long as it doesn't require conformity. But then you wouldn't really call it a cult. You'd call it a think tank or something like that. Elephant Tusk says, Tim, do you think you're a TI? Targeted individual? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Targeted by some White House press corps, uh, politically connected operative with a high security clearance, a, a hacker who's involved in a hacking case against the president's son. Yes, yes. Um, I think you could argue that, yes, I'm a targeted individual. IPS is, is actually a targeted organization. And we were targeted for censorship. We were, I think it was intended that we would basically quit this. And quit this meaning this is not just one person espousing opinions and talking. I saved hundreds with Liberty Mutual. And talking to himself, Liber but rather uh, this is a network of people who are operating from a similar premise. And it's one that falls outside of the purview of the controlled opposition. They control all the conspiracies. They control all the alternative explanations for everything. And here we are saying, we reject their essential claims at face value. We're uncontrolled. So obviously they wanted to shut us out of the conversation. They've been trying to stifle auto-hoaxers for the longest time. I still have people trying to guilt trip me into it or mischaracterize it. Oh, you call everything fake. That's easy. Uh, no, I don't. I stipulate. Fake until proven real, if and only if it's an extraordinary claim accompanied by an obvious and easily implementable political agenda sold by celebrities and politicians and unbelievable actors and press conferences. Like, there's red flags, there's hallmarks of a hoax. So it's not everything. But the people who don't preemptively consider the possibility of it being fake, no, they're actually guilty of automatically believing everything. They're the ones in the wrong. So the question here is, which side of the screen are you on? And that's a valid question. We brought this up after Vegas. I remember talking about this, like, okay, so you see through the fakery above, but you believe what you see on the ground. Then there are people who believe what's on the ground is fake, but they accept everything in space is real. So I realized those who can't see through the fakery above and below have one foot of the matrix that we're going to have to break off from them. And we did. And Vegas was one of these events where there were people who were like, or even Parkland and some others are like, yeah, Starman was fake, but Parkland was real. Or Parkland was fake, but Starman was real. Like, okay, you haven't stepped out of the box. And there's a distinction. And those of us who have stepped out of the box, who aren't still trying to make excuses for it or who are still bargaining you know there's a stage i guess like bereavement you're letting go of the fake worldview and you're bargaining with reality can this be real at least can, can you give me one 9-11 jumper please no can at least some school shootings be real uh well you you tell me go find one and then come back to me they never do because we are right and we have been this entire time Ted Stryker says, I hope Gold F does whatever the judge... Yeah, look. He is collectible. I pursued this one. There were a number of trolls I've sued. Let me think. There was uh, One of my favorites was Aldridge. In fact, he was working at this IT firm, but while he was at work, he was actually just spamming our chats, sending me emails. I had a stalker before Goldfinch, or concurrent with Goldfinch. 
I didn't know if they all knew each other, but we figured out who this person was. And I figured out who he was through a URL grabber that I sent him on a private message on Reddit. He was one of the top Redditors on conspiracy. And anyway, I was, I was suing him, but I realized he didn't have anything. Nothing was collectible. You know, his sister was in jail. Um, his family was living in this. It just everything about it was like, okay, he's a jerk, but there's nothing to collect. So I just kind of passed on that. Then I look into Goldfinch, and we find out, you know, his brother works for Pat Robertson. They've got yachts. He's got property in New Zealand, in New York, in Los Angeles, the UAE. He's got like a chain of businesses, coffee places, gyms. Like there's a lot of money there. And then you look at his internet movie database record and he's been in a lot of movies that you've seen as a stunt double you know King Kong Fast and Furious I believe he was uh, the Red Power Ranger which is kind of interesting as a side topic the curse of the Red Power Ranger if you've seen that but anyway uh, we went after him because we knew it was collectible and then when I found after I was already pursuing this individual I found that he had kind of disappeared from the scene but he reemerged as George Newsom was part of the White House press corps. Then I realized, okay, well, we have somebody with big connections working for the government who is targeting our channel. Let's go ahead and focus on this individual. And I'm glad we did. In fact, uh, today, I got the approval from the court. So the way this thing works, you know, you, you sue, you send your complaint, and the other side will generally send something of a motion to dismiss. So, for example, they'll say, we don't think that we should be responsible for what Goldfinch did. So they called me up, and they had to explain to me what was going to be on their motion to dismiss. So what I did was I looked at it as, okay, well, these are holes in my case that they're going to point out. So I amended my complaint, and I resubmitted it, and it got accepted. So I made it very clear that, in my opinion... Google, YouTube, their legal department worked with MG to suppress my channel for about five years. I can make the case, I have the emails, and I have an email admission of guilt with a motivation expressed there as malice. So it's a winning case. I updated my complaint to make everything clearer because I think if I get a date in court, it's going to be easy. And I also want to use this, and I even put it in there, I said, as part of the, you know, the restitution damages and all this, I also want Google's full cooperation in prosecuting this individual for the fraud that he committed. But the case is moving along swimmingly. We have a pretrial hearing May 13th. Hopefully we can reach some kind of resolution sooner when they recognize that it's unwinnable from their perspective, that in fact uh, my channel was targeted Somebody used a bit of, uh, I guess you'd call it fraud, identity theft, in order to seize control of the channel. And in his confession, he admitted all of his tactics. And he said that he had downloaded all of our music onto a private SoundCloud account. And then when I would be live, he would file complaints claiming it was his music. So there's another aspect to it as well that will come out, that as this thing gets unpackaged, you know, I, I believe that he's going to owe money to every single person that he infringed upon. Anybody that's been a part of the IPS, you know, it's going to be open. But if he has money, 
it'll be easy to collect if he's being brought up on criminal charges because it'll be more difficult for him to uh, hide, which is always a hard thing. You know, collecting is a whole other thing. Some guy sued me for $642,000 because I hurt his feelings over memes and I doxed him. 642000 It's like, good luck collecting that. Plus, you lose when you claim that you've been emotionally damaged by the other person. That's just a losing move. I would never say emotional damage. I've been hurt. I had to see a psychiatrist because of it. I would say he was intentionally inflicting emotional duress. You know, that was his intention. But I'm not going to say it actually affected me. I won't give him that. And it really became a game, by the way. Before he was doxxed, he said that he worked for the government, he was a hacker, and he did, um, I guess, smear campaigns. But he said that he was going to destroy me for fun. And that he was going to wipe me off the internet. He said it was a game. His words. So I'm like, oh, it's a game. Okay. Plain Decoded says, did Alex Jones ever pay up? Yeah, what's he up to? Like a billion dollars? Fake canary in a fake coal mine. Spent years running loops around a giant tree, ignoring an entire forest of fakery. And people fell for it. They followed that red herring. Okay, I think we have another piece here on solar flares. Like, did you, did you do your phone updates? No, this is all happening at 3 a.m. So we did that. Coming to work, he's not the only one. Guys, if you're experiencing that, it may be a result of space weather, okay? I'm gonna do my best to explain what's going on. Space weather. And you know what is a real thing? Space environmentalism. They don't care about the whales anymore. Now it's all about space junk. Okay, it's, again, this is space weather. Let's go ahead and take a look. So there was a strong solar flare event that happened just after midnight, and they actually captured an image of it right here, okay? I had to look up this scale. I wish I knew everything about space weather. That's a whole different specialty. But R3, that's for radio communications. It's on a scale of one to five, and three is pretty bad. That means it impacts radio communications for a few hours after this happens. And so right now that could be impacting some of our technology. And sadly, we're entering a solar maximum where we're going to see more and more solar storms. You know, I've, I was listening to a Tim Pool podcast a couple months ago, and they were saying, oh, climate change is not real, but it's real. But it's not because of fossil fuels. It's because of the solar maximum and solar flares. I'm like, wow. The sky phobia thing is just a standard thing you have to believe. Just choose whatever you think is going to cause the sky to fall. But it, it's such a common t uh, topic. The first climate fiction book was actually by Art Bell and Whitney Stryber, the alien abduction probing guy. And it was called The Coming Global Superstorm. So we've been primed for this for a long time. Not a coincidence that chemtrail theory really started with Coast to Coast Art Bell in the late 90s. And by the way, don't tell me that there weren't trails when you were a kid and the sky was blue and the sun was yellow. yellow. Uh, you can't say that anymore. We have detailed records and charts and observations of contrails that the Air Force was conducting back in the 50s.
Dua Semperer says, this is great. She's talking about space weather with a straight face. Yes, unreality has never been so entertaining. Space weather. They, they say it. I think they had space hurricanes a couple years ago. They, like, even space junk. Space junk wasn't really a thing. They started talking about it. Talking points. Neil deGrasse Tyson is like, oh yeah, space junk. If a piece of space junk hits another piece and hits another piece, we have this whole thing called a Kessler syndrome, and your grandchildren will be landlocked. They won't be able to leave the Earth. And Joe Rogan's like, has anything ever been hit by space junk? And Neil's like, uh... Because there's nothing he could reference. But they were preparing us for space junk, and now it's a thing. If you remember a couple of years ago, it was like every other week, space junk lands in some field in Australia, and you had some farmer with a piece of SpaceX hardware just sticking out of the ground easy to fake this is an interesting clip here uh, from the space station from the early years of this video because it looks like animation like something that somebody made but it's actually real footage from the space shuttle just sped up just a little bit and this is a little video it's about uh, four minutes long here so there's the space station I love that this is not animation this is film taken by a shuttle of the space station and so this is real, it's not animation. Now this looks like animation, and I'm very proud uh, to, to know that it's actually real film. It's not a video game. People are living there. I know this looks like animation, but it's actually really real. I love this uh, video because it looks like animation. It does it's actually really real, even though it looks like a cartoon. It looks like animation, but it's actually really real. I love this uh, video because it looks like animation. It doesn't look real, but it is. Like, is she feeling guilty? Is she not convinced? Or are they selling the bullshit and they have to emphasize it? I came across something similar before the Artemis mission, where NASA released an animation for the Artemis mission. And they said, this is an animation. And I'm like, why do they have to label that as animation? And here's why. Because it looked exactly like the quote real thing. They had to tell us which one was the animation. So we wouldn't mistake it for the real thing. Because we are reality impaired and we don't know real from fake unless they tell us. Welcome to the desert of the designated real. Oswaldo says it has to be real because it looks so fake. This is embarrassing. But you know people fall for it. They believe it. Because they have the screen against their face and if it's on the screen, it's real. They just absorb it. They download it. This guy here says, got any proof it's fake? Uh, sorry, Burden of Proof says that the extraordinary claimant, the person with the claim that's extraordinary has to bring the Burden of Proof. You're claiming that there's an orbiting space station that looks like that simulation that we see in the pool, this big, unwieldy, football-sized thing. You're saying that's orbiting above our heads at 17,000 miles per hour. Okay, that's fair. Well, show us. Show me a transit that you've done. Show me a transit that's not in front of the moon and not in front of the sun, because both of those exclude the human witness. They always shift the burden of proof. Oh, it's so easy to see it. Just get out your app and go look at it. Have you done it? No. And I've sent people out there. I'm like, go outside with your app and spot the ISS. Nobody's ever come back. One guy got lost in the woods for two days with an astrophotographer looking for the ISS in the middle of the wilderness, and they couldn't do it. My point being, the burden of proof is on them. 
they have to show it to you first. It's like, prove to me Bigfoot doesn't exist. Prove to me unicorns don't exist. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. Or it shouldn't work that way. Okay, let's continue here, going through my notes. So again, today's the fourth anniversary of Mad Mike's final launch. Here are some key facts about Mad Mike Hughes. Full disclosure, I got this from Claude AI. He was an American daredevil and amateur rocket scientist who gained notoriety for his self-financed and self-built steam-powered rockets. In 2002, he set a Guinness World Record for the longest ramp jump in a limousine, jumping 103 feet at the speed of 112 miles per hour. In 2014, he jumped a stretched limo over 32 cars. This earned him a nickname, the Limo Jumper. Now, it doesn't have one of his launches uh, mentioned here, but it does say here, his goal was to launch himself high enough to prove the Earth is flat. In 2018, he launched himself in a steam-powered rocket to 1,875 feet above the Mojave Desert. It didn't reach space, but it set a record for the highest jump in a homemade rocket. February 22, 2020, he was killed during a rocket launch in the desert while filming a TV series about rocket experiments and the flat Earth. The parachute malfunctioned. He was 64. Though considered an eccentric and conspiracy theorist, he was admired for his daring rocket experiments and his unwavering commitment. He became a prominent figure in the flat Earth community. So he did, in fact, uh, successfully launch and break a few records, highest civilian launch, self-made rocket and all this stuff. And he did have a capsule. There was a plan to reach the Carmen line that would have involved what's called a raccoon, a rocket balloon hybrid. It was in the works. It was just a matter of acquiring the helium. But it was um, during the filming of a TV show that the rocket um, malfunctioned. Well, it was a parachute. I'm not exactly sure 100% from what I understand. Um, there was no remote operated parachutes from the ground so if he was knocked unconscious by the force of the launch there would have been nothing anyone could have done but if you haven't seen the documentary uh, rocket man it's on amazon i recommend it behind the scenes leading up to his launch um, incredible footage drone footage on camera footage and you see the work that went into um building the rocket out of his garage in fact let me go ahead and play the trailer from Amazon here, if anyone wants to see it. Rocket Man, Mad Mike's mission to prove the Earth flat. I think there's a trailer here. Okay, here we go. It's actually kind of a funny film. I mean, it's a documentary, but it's just, it's kind of surreal. A California man is getting ready to launch himself into the air in a homemade rocket to prove that the Earth is flat. My favorite barbecued moron. A lot of people got the idea that he's just some kind of a nut. He might just be crazy. I believe in the geocentric flat Earth model. This is America. We can believe whatever we want. People have lost faith in experts. Scientific facts are completely debatable. The Earth isn't flat. I'm not going to take anyone else's word for it. I'm going to build my own rocket right here, and I'm going to see with my own eyes what shape this world we live on. Look, any idiot can sit in their bedroom uploading conspiracy theories to YouTube, but it takes a special idiot to launch himself into space for the cause. What do I do if it goes south? 
Did you leave a letter or something? What do you want me to do? Now here's a series of headlines. Um, he was on BBC News, CBS, Fox News, Comedy Central, Washington Post, New York, NBC, Independent Forbes, and I believe it was the top story on like 17 national newspapers, and it got a lot of attention on this topic, and it was, to us, it was a Trojan horse. You know, we got the research flat earth meme genie out of the bottle permanently and for good, and now everyone in media was forced to confront the topic. And the way it came together is, and you can find this if you look at the article on the uh, New Yorker, looking for life on flat earth. He called in to the program after we put a billboard up that said research flat earth, which isn't saying the earth is flat, it's saying research it, uh, which would lead people to looking at certain things we think we're worthy of looking at. And uh, he called in. Here's an article. It says here, in 2017, he called Infinite Plane Society a live YouTube channel that discusses the Earth's flatness and other matters to ask for their endorsement. And soon after, he, well, they raised more than $7,500 on his behalf, and he made the Mojave jump with the words Research Flat Earth emblazoned on the rocket. Anyway, it discusses his plan, the raccoon, to go to space, but how it was really a matter of he saw the billboard called us turn the rocket itself into a billboard and drew a lot of attention to his own mission and at the same time uh, really promulgated this idea which was something that he was interested in along with many other uh, quote conspiracy theories anyway I'll put a link in the chat if you want to check this out on Amazon it's called Rocket Man Plain Dakota says, I was still on the ball back then, and the propaganda had me thinking he was insane. Well, they misrepresented it. He was not trying to prove the Earth was flat by jumping up 5,000 feet. That was never the case. It was a PR stunt to get the entire world to watch him as he built his raccoon and would make a long trip to the Carmen line. So it was meant to be a multi launch process leading people to this major stunt and he's a, he's a daredevil and so it's part of it is getting attention and getting everybody to watch and the whole hype that went into it but that was never the intention in the first place it wouldn't have made any sense but the media kept getting it wrong and wrong and it was just like wow that's when you really confront the mass media echo chamber and you realize that it's impenetrable they say something they're going to stick to it and nothing you say can really challenge it. And he was totally off script. He went on Fox News, and he said the moon landing was fake. And it was Kennedy was interviewing him, and she said, well, Buzz Aldrin would probably punch you in the face for that. Because, you know, Aldrin punched Brett Sabell, or Sabrell in the face. And Mike had said, well, he was just a Freemason. All the astronauts landing on the moon were Freemasons. And as soon as he said that, they cut him off. So you can see gatekeeping, even on the fringe, there's only things like acceptable conspiracies are allowed to be discussed. And certain things go out of bounds. And he was consistently going out of bounds, especially when he called out SpaceX as simulating space travel. You know, with the advent of the whole Q thing and Space Force, they kind of had to 
go back to believing in outer space and all this stuff. A real step back. Okay, so we talked about predictive programming denialism. Predictive programming exists, like it or not. You can have your own opinions about it, but the facts are facts. It exists. Leave the world behind. No internet, no phones. Big mystery about who did it. No going back to normal. The world ending. Solar flares, Russians, Chinese space balloons. Is America being attacked by... Is it, is it an EMP? Dry run. But to say that it's not like following along with the entertainment media is, again, denialism. And Mike Rothschild is really just not in the know. Just not as aware as we are about what media actually is. Plain Dakota says, I wonder if he was sabotaged. You know, this is insane. We went to, I was at one of the launch sites. It didn't take off because they have to reach a certain temperature at a certain time to reach a certain height. And there's a lot of factors in play. Boilers going out and it's, it's just a ton of work, nonstop activity to watch them do this. And we were out in the Mojave. They were setting this thing up and the science channels there with their tents, their catering, around the rocket and they're filming it for their TV show and they made it a point to not let me talk to them if I would go speak with them they would send someone between us moreover every single person at this science channel show homemade astronauts they were wearing NASA shirts which really stood out to me as kind of strange why are they all wearing NASA shirts why are they deliberately trying to um, keep me out of the frame and keep us, the research flat earth um, supporters who put this message on the rocket, why were they trying to keep us out of the discussion? It just seemed very um, kind of, I don't know, like they had some kind of ulterior motive there. Like there was some kind of planning there, like perhaps this was a damage control operation. As far as the launch itself, you know, he told me on his first call that he has a 30% chance of living, which I... I'm like, well, it's an attitude I can appreciate. He's not saying I have a 70% chance of dying, but a 30% chance of living. It's It was a very dangerous thing. I mean, um, that's why people don't generally do this type of thing. And he insisted that there not be remote backup parachutes because he said it wouldn't then be a daredevil stunt, that death had to be a distinct possibility. And he referenced Evan Braun, who had done a similar launch imitating the Snake River Evil Knievel jump, but that guy had remote parachutes, and they tested it with dummies first. And in, in Mad Mike's mind, that wasn't an actual daredevil stunt. Okay, let's see here. Elephant Tusk says, The Earth has planes or realms that are flat, but also has round holograms surrounding these realms. Interesting. I was looking at a book on um, online, that had, an older book, that had to do with the subject of out-of-body travel and the astral plane. It's not the astral sphere, it's the astral plane, but it, the model of the universe that the occultists would use, if it's based on John Dee's magic and hermetic magic, would treat it as a flat plane, maybe a cube, if you look at it as a plane with multiple overlapping layers.
All right, let's see here. Yagman says it was an operation to scare people from building their own spacecraft. Well, no, one other point, too. Um, he was a daredevil for decades. You know, his first record, his first major record was 2002. Before that, motorcycle racing. But if you go back, you have years and years of daredevil stunts. And when this last one ended as it did, a book came out by Kelly Weil from the Daily Beast, and she was like, oh, Flat Earth killed him. This is what misinformation does. I'm like, what are you talking about? He was doing steam-powered homemade rocket jumps before YouTube was a thing. And to suggest that Flat Earth causes? No, actually, um, he had made multiple attempts to raise enough money to fund his launch, and by attaching himself to Flat Earth, he was able to achieve what he was trying to achieve. And he did. We put the message on his rocket, he broke the record, he got onto Amazon, a number of other documentaries, famous worldwide, made a lot of friends. He actually met people from JLP, uh, JPL, Jet Propulsion Laboratory. They told him that NASA was watching all of his launches and that they were taking bets on whether or not he would live, which is kind of strange. Like, they're not going to show up, but they're going to watch. But, again, you couldn't blame this on misinformation, which was what the talking point was for the longest time. I think a few people finally cleared it up. For the most part, the claim was misinformation caused him to do something dangerous to prove it right or wrong. And it's like, no, actually, this was a very genius PR stunt attached to a career as a daredevil. And without the PR stunt, it would have happened. And if part of being a daredevil is getting the world to watch, you know, he certainly accomplished that. Like, I think it was a win every step of the way until the unpredictable. But had that not happened, the path was clearly set. We And the fact of it is, it's all dangerous. You know, the capsule that was going to be used in the raccoon launch was already designed. I'd already seen it. And it looked like a metal coffin with a glass front and, you know, a pressurized chamber that would be dangling from a balloon that would go up 20 miles and then it would launch through the balloon and go up possibly up to 74 miles was the goal live you know, and this was meant to be a broadcast event but they had nicknamed the capsule uh, the Hemingway you know Hemingway which I think might be a reference to just how dangerous the whole thing happened to be and something else that was interesting about this and somewhat aggravating is that nobody in the quote flat earth community none of the people doing the conferences wanted anything to do with him and I'm like, look, we got you a spotlight. Everyone in the media is talking about this. We're drawing attention to this topic. And they more or less blackballed him from all their events. The only reason why he was able to speak at a conference is we were like, look, we're just going to show up, bring your rocket. And if they don't let you in, we're going to draw attention to the fact that this is some controlled opposition movement. And when he showed up, they let him in grudgingly, but they did not want him to be a part of uh, this flat earth topic or the conferences around it, probably because they were controlling the conversation, limiting it. They didn't want it to lead anywhere, which they, you know, successfully made that happen. But even worse, after the launch on 222-2020, 
a lot of these people were delighted. I got emails, we heard jokes, people were actually mocking the death. Even like, you know, some of these, I, I don't even necessarily have to name names, but there's a lot of them. And I thought that's strange because I'd never experienced in my life people openly celebrating somebody else's death to the people around that person for some kind of schrodenfreude, some kind of sick pleasure they get out of it. I never quite understood it. It was borderline sadistic, but I thought, what, what would make some people so hateful that they would cheer for someone else's death? Never quite understood it. I mean, does YouTube make people that competitive? Maybe. All right, let's continue here. I want to catch up on my Twitter feed. Again, I put a link if you want to check out that documentary. PSYOP will be 2024's Word of the Year. That was the main topic yesterday. And it's being diluted. It doesn't mean anything anymore, so we have to move away from that term. Same with false flag. We seized onto the term auto-hoax because we knew it would never be something mainstreamable. And we also knew as an organizing principle, there's no way that controlled opposition are going to touch this. You know, auto-hoaxing is kryptonite to alt-media and mainstream media. It's kryptonite to any propaganda narrative. Jungle Jim says grave dancing. Yes, yes, I, I would call it that. Very, very strange behaviors. For example... One of them that really stood out to me was um, Morgyle. Because he, uh, Mike wanted to talk to a lot of these people and do interviews with them. He had his uh, podcast he had started, and the Morgyle refused to talk to him. But then after the event, the Morgyle couldn't wait to go on to YouTube and say, I told you so. Which, no, you didn't tell anybody so, because he had a successful launch a couple years before proving everybody wrong. So when he proved everyone wrong, nobody came out to say, okay, you were right. Nobody gave him credit for it, but they were happy to comment after the following launch. Sickos, exactly. Lean Dion says the controlled FEMF's true colors came out sickos. Well, it was obviously like a uniform opinion on the other side. And I think we're looking again at perhaps a bit of YouTube competition. I mean, YouTube is one of these places where it's a lot of it's built on the idea of it's a closed system and people are careful not to lose subs to other people, give attention to other people. It, it was just a kind of a bad scene when you think you would need unity, especially when, you know, following all this stuff, look at the big reaction. All the attention this topic got caused YouTube to screw up their own search filters. They've destroyed the free flow of information. They've really done a lot to try to jam up any future kind of movement built on skepticism. Like, say what you will about the Flat Earthers, because they've been mischaracterized more than any other conspiracy group. At a minimum, lowest common denominator, what unites them all? They're skeptical about the space program. Nothing wrong with that. But they've made the caricature in order to prevent people from adopting any kind of skepticism towards the space program. They want to make it unattractive. But the truth of it is, it's unattractive 
to be a believer in the cartoons of Nasatology, to be visually illiterate and to admit it. Oh, you look at Starman and you think it's real? You think this looks real? You're able to look at this green screen glitch and tell yourself nothing's happening? Oh, you see nothing wrong with the hair sticking straight up from all the hairspray? Doesn't raise any red flags? Space bubbles don't bother you? Oh, light loss? Diffusion of light? Indicative of spacewalks being filmed underwater? Doesn't bother you? The fact that the ISS has a shadow on the ESA launches? No problem there, right? In other words, the people who are not skeptical of NASAtology are admitting to complete reality impairment, visual illiteracy. It's sad. Like it shouldn't be a point of pride to say, I believe NASA. No, it's an it's a point of embarrassment, to be honest. You should be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed for knowing that there's no reason to believe the moon landing. Be embarrassed if you believe it happened. And you can't explain petrified moon rocks, petrified wood passed off as moon rocks. If you can't explain that, then you're carrying water for the propagandists. You're you're basically like, oh, I can't I can't uh, explain it all, but I'm just going to ignore it. And people become conspiracy theorists all of a sudden when they have to explain things like this. Like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. You say the moon landings are fake. Well, explain to me petrified wood moon rocks. I had one guy say, oh, yeah, well, they probably gave the real moon rocks to women to impress them. And then they had to come up with something. Like, I've heard people make up elaborate conspiracy theories to explain why the moon rocks are fake. It's like, okay, so who's the conspiracy theorist now? All right, this has been great. I'm going to put a link here in the chat to Ball Earth Cult by Chief Crow and the Flat Earth Worms. We'll likely be live at the same time tomorrow, if not um, earlier. Tomorrow's uh, Saturn Day. Um, I did get in contact with Dr. Shiva's assistant, so I'm going to try to get on the phones of Dr. Shiva here soon, and there's another podcast I'm also trying to get on. We tried last Saturday, but I wasn't able to, but probably this weekend. So a couple of things coming up. I'll keep you apprised of that, and if you subscribe to the newsletter, you'll get those links in your inbox. Uh, this has been great. The internet blackout, they shut everything down in the middle of the night, so nobody noticed. Obviously some kind of a dry run, but they can tell us anything. Space weather, Russian space nukes, Chinese space lasers, people are going to believe it. They've already accepted the premise. And they're going to shut off our phones. Hopefully not ours, but... But we've confronted this so many times. It's like, if they do, wouldn't it possibly backfire? You know, unplug us for a few minutes, it might actually have an adverse effect. It's another reason why we need to really get this print publication out there. So if they pull the plug, if they do an EMP blast, we're able to still maintain a continuity. All right, this is Ball Earth Cult. Have a great evening.
Shh. 